Properties, the podcast that cuts the property industry to the bone. We answer your questions with our expert guests and call out all the bullshit that makes the industry only slightly more popular than British politics. We are your hosts, Matt Smith. And I'm Chris Erickson. And we are your Properties. So here we are with a very special guest joining us, none other than Rupert Collingwood, a highly opinionated, energetic and very successful serial entrepreneur who's also a great friend of both Matt and myself. Rupert is also the current CEO of London Broker. Founder chairman. Founder chairman, apologies, who Matt and I are both affiliated to. Hi, Rupert. Hello. Lovely to be here. Hi, Rupert. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Pleasure to be here. Well, today, um, Rupert, we, we, we're going to invite you to, to obviously, to um, talk about as much as you would like to. And um, we know you like to talk. We're going to interrupt you as much as we possibly can to Excellent. keep things uh, fresh. Um, but Rupert, why don't you, um, I guess, start by telling us why you started the London Broker? Sure. So I, uh, I'd sold my majority in the London Management Company, which would be my first uh, venture out on my own. Uh, and I uh, had taken some time out. And when I came back to London, I sort of thought, what am I going to do? I started doing what I, I went back to what I knew, which was a bit of search agency, um, and then started sort of, you know, pounding the streets again and discovering that all of my contacts had left. Mm. Uh, and so they were all going, or oh, if they hadn't left, they were thinking of leaving. And then all those conversations, about, oh, what a buying agent, that's interesting. What does that do? Uh, you know, how does that work? Um, and I thought, well, hang on a second. If everyone's going to start leaving big agency, we can't we can't do that again in central London. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd been a buying agent in 2007, eight when, you know, the number of buying agents in central London sort of overnight went from 35 to 435. Yeah. And it, it's not good for the market. It doesn't do anybody any favor. And they weren't really buying agents. They were no, they weren't. A lot of them were runners. Yeah. You know, and because if you shove 400 people into that market space, there's only so many clients that you can look after and they're running around. So all the prices were coming, you know, all the values were coming down and the, the quality of the service, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, and I thought, well, we we don't need to have a whole load of, um, what were people calling them, sort of private offices and property consultancies mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever made up name they wanted to come up with. And, you know, essentially all offering the same service. The service was... I've got a client base. They need assistance with property. I'll I'll help them and I'll take a fee for doing that job. Reasonable thing to do. But around the rest of the world, that's called being a broker. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought, well, why are these people not doing it? And the, and a lot of it relates to um, the barrier to entry, which which for the most part is cost, frankly. Uh, it's an extraordinarily expensive business to do, even without an office. <laughs> Uh, and of course, in 2016, 17, when I started to think about all this, it, you know, the requirement for an office had become redundant for some years. Yeah. I mean, I remember talking to somebody who I won't mention their name, but I said, you know, who pops into your office? Very well known office on the King's Road. And they said, drunks, foreigners looking for directions, and tradesmen asking for keys. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, directions. Uh, yeah. And these things are what they're 150 grand a, like a year. Some of these things, like minimum. We ha- we had um, um, somebody come into the office in Battersea and sat down on an armchair in the reception room and promptly urinated <laughs> on the seat. 
Well, so, I mean, know. That, that really is the, is the pinnacle. Did you sell them a flat though, Matt? That's the, uh, you obviously need somewhere to relieve yourself. I've got a lovely two beds yeah. in, the, in the building above. <laughs> but um, no, but, I mean, you know, the, so I thought, okay, let's try and re, let, let, let's try and, uh, and emulate as an, an American style model yeah. for the UK, but from a UK perspective. Because what had happened previously is that there'd been, you know, broker model, broker models it, it is not really the right description for what had come previously. They were American brands that had come into the UK to try and become estate agents in a slightly different way, but they weren't brokers. Right. Uh, Keller had tried, I think, two or three times. Yeah. Uh, Remax, to be fair, had been in the industry, had been in the country forever. Century Twenty One had been in there for a long time, but. Mm. It, it, it was it was a different setup and, and, and never really got the traction that perhaps it, it should have done. And that's where timing really comes into it, it, into this. And the only reason that I felt that the time was right for a broker style model uh, was because good people were leaving really safe seats in really big companies. Exactly. And so, what what is a broker? Tell us. So I so. In common vernacular, I would say a broker for the most part is an estate agent. Mm. But that's actually not really what broker means in insurance or in commercial or in shipping or anything else. What a broker does is the broker has fines and creates a deal between two parties, maybe three parties, maybe four parties. But they're the they're the glue, or then not only are they the glue, they are also the the, the the means for which all of those parties come together. They sniff yeah. out the deal. They've right. got a supplier or they've got a buyer or they've got whatever it is. Yeah. And they pull a deal together out of sometimes thin air yeah. and, make a, and, make a, and make a fee out of the middle of it. Yeah. And that's very common in insurance, which mm -hmm. is actually where I started my career. Um, but it, it for some reason in this country... In real estate, we never copied the rest of the world. I mean, you know, actually, when you look at the, uh, the uses of the term broker, it's basically the whole of the rest of the world. The only place that uses a state agent is England. Mm. I mean, yeah. like, I, I'm, there are other places, but for the most part, right? And it's it's extraordinary that that's carried on. And then because we're all obsessed about calling each other estate agents, then we have to create buying agents. And so, you know, it, it, and so well, what do you do? Well, I'm a buying agent. Okay, great. I need you to help me sell my house because you bought it for me four years ago. Terribly sorry. I only sell. I only buy, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, but I do know somebody who can do it for me. And then they'll go and take a little fee for an introduction. Right. It was nonsense. You Absolutely. Why would you bother doing? Why why create that barrier to engage yeah, with clients who love and trust you? Definitely. Any any idea as to why the UK agency sort of you know the marketplace has has that in place in terms of because I was thinking in America a broker can do anything as you just mentioned right anything to broker out a transaction right mm. be it a buyer a seller whatever it is rental sales the same is true certainly uh, you know for for Sweden Spain is the same as well but here in the UK we're so specific to what you can do even in offices you can only it, sell it, in it, south can or it might not have always been that way because it might have been, it, it may be something that started what sort of from the 80s onwards because i think there were much smaller gentlemen's profession 
I think, before that, where perhaps you owned the agency. So you, you were an estate agent, as we understand it, but it was your own business, whereas mm. I think it expanded into what we now understand is a whole bunch of people employed who hit the phones all day long and then go out and do viewings between X time and X time and then have to call their clients between this time and that time, um, which I think that was quite new. I mean, I, I don't think it's always been that way. I, I, I've never really looked into it, frankly, but I do believe that buying and owning homes or land, uh, on at least on scale, is a relatively new phenomenon. Mm. And I'm not talking about you know last week. Yeah, you know, in, in terms of hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah. you know, it you know most people rented. Yeah. Uh, probably up until I would, I'm guessing here, sort of emancipation after the Second World War, mm. you know, when the garden cities were built yeah. and they had to sell them and, you know, people aspired and then eventually you got that boom, Thatcherism, yeah. all of that sort of that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, I imagine there's something yeah. to yeah. related to that. Yeah, I agree. But, but, but I, I think that the notion has always been, you know, I, I think the... In America and maybe other countries around the world, my guess would be that there has been this acute understanding that the buyer also needs some representation within the transaction. Yeah, and I don't think that's been particularly commonplace. I would, I would say, in this country, it still isn't commonplace. No, actually, it, it definitely is. I, I but it is getting more common. It is. For sure. But I would say a lot of people wouldn't actually know what a buying agent is. No. I mean, sometimes you'd actually have to expect. And and I completely agree. And I think it's crazy because it's so much better for a selling broker to to actually negotiate with a buying broker because it's Absolutely just right. so much better everyone especially the clients the sellers and the buyers feel looked after yeah yeah you know they don't feel like someone's trying to pull the wool over their eyes because they've got representation themselves uh, uh, absolutely right and i think i think the other and you know the, the same can be said for lawyers of course and that was mm. always that's always been one of those things that's always been a bit of a rub for me is like you know uh Right, you've found this beautiful house, which is your absolute dream, and which you're probably going for most people going to invest a significant percentage of your net worth into. Who do you want to, you know, who do you want to make sure that everything is kosher for you? Oh, I think I'll find the cheapest person possible. Yeah. Right? I'm going to go and use a conveyancing conveyor belt business, and you know, because I'm going to save, you know. 1500 quid yeah isn't it bizarre insane yeah baffles yeah. me what? this is yeah. not the place why you would you save do money. that yeah why would you do that yeah and, and you know so okay if you were going to buy a business for five million pounds are you telling me that you wouldn't go and use a top commercial law firm yeah for that especially since it's so complicated <laughs> to buy property in england yeah. i mean you know that's where you want to be spending yeah. the cash yeah definitely Which but, but that goes, and the same could be said for agents it, well exactly i was yeah. going to say that that goes back to mentality right because yeah. it's it's so unique to this country i mean you start off emails when we when you agree a transaction by saying this is not the place to cut costs yeah. here's four or five good solicitors right and yeah. they vary in prices right but it happens every single time. It does. I mean, it, for the sake does. of five thousand pounds, when you're spending two and a half million pounds yeah. on a purchase. Yeah. But but you know, it's in the it's it's you know, it's in the it's in the it's in those very tight margins where the difference is made, right? And 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 it's there's a huge amount of psychology. There's a 
probably thousands of books written by far brainier people than us <laughs> lot talking about the, the you know the the, the theories and, and and the psychology of price and value. hundred percent. Although so, you know, it, you always get what you pay for, yeah. um, and pe- people love to uh, you know. I think estate agents and solicitors or lawyers are are, are, are pro- pro- probably pretty equal in what people think about them, and that they absolutely hate us. Um, but uh, you know, you, if you're if you're paying somebody a really lousy fee, you're yeah. probably going to get a really lousy service. Yeah. Which I think maybe that's that's also something that um, I, I know is one of your favourite topics, Rupert. Why don't you talk to us about what you think about fees? <laughs> that's a red rag for bull. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, the the the, the fees issue in the UK is, you know, you you can get quite insular when you think about it, and you're just thinking about it in the UK. So I think probably the best place to start is by looking at it from a global perspective, right? I think at the top end, we're really looking at America, which is pretty much 6%. There is some variation, but usually it's 6%. Now, that does get split uh, when it comes to collaborating with other brokers. Uh, which is as it does here on on very very much lower fees. Yes, it does. It, it, it does, but it, not in the same not way. Not in the it, same way. It, it, it is absolutely Agreed. prescribed mm. as a sort of three percent yeah. to the buy side, three percent to the sell side, and you know that's how that's how their market is set up. Yeah, but but, then, but, but a broker could act for the buyer and seller. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So they, they could that's, pocket six. I mean, but not many people know this. That's the same for an estate agent in this country. You just have to declare that fact yeah. to your clients. There's no problem with it. You just have to declare it. It's the same with referral fees before anyone writes in and all of those <laughs> sorts of bits and pieces. You know, you, you've got to be transparent. Yeah. Um, but um, when you then, you know, France, five. Uh, I think um, Australia, three. South Africa, between five and seven. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, we, well. we're, we're talking about significant numbers right mm, mm. and the age-old argument always comes back oh well you know it, it's not the same because look at the prices in london well yeah okay i'll take that argument and then go and look at fees in like nottingham mm. or go and look at fees in you know in in newcastle i don't know where i'm picking up things beginning with n but <laughs> you know, anywhere right the fees go down outside london yeah and you know, for lesser transactions. Yeah, and even as you get within London, further, further uh, as a radius out from central yeah. London. Yeah, and it's because of competition, mm. and it's because of it's. Look, it's, there are a whole load of reasons that 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 sit behind this, uh, and there are lots of people who would like to say oh, it's about regulation. It's nothing to do with regulation, it, and lots of people who would say. Uh, oh, but you know, why is the estate agent, the estate agent being paid that much money? Mm. Well, actually, that it's not that much money. If you had any inkling as to how much doing this, running this business, and yeah. doing this thing costs, yeah, absolutely, you'd appreciate that, that that it isn't that much money. Yeah, and also you only pay us if we're successful. That's right. And you know, that's another thing that is slightly irksome uh, around the industry. We don't tell people this stuff. Right, we 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 go about doing our jobs, and we think because we do it every day that other people are experts in what we do. Yeah, it's like coming and asking me about libel, or asking me to go and I don't know rewire a house. I haven't mm. the clue. Yeah, how to do that? Yeah, and I wouldn't walk into your business and say, "Why are you charging that? It's really easy." Mm. You know. Ugh. 
Yeah. You know, gosh, you're not worth that much money. Yeah. Sure. Okay. If you don't think I'm worth that much money, then go and find somebody else. Yeah. But we have no respect for the trade that we're in. We have no respect for ourselves. Yeah. I think there's, I think there's, there's definitely something in that, but there's also the fact that someone's always prepared to come and do it cheaper. Say, well, I'm just as good as so-and-so, but I'll do it for half a percent less. As you said earlier, you get what you pay for. Yeah. And that is manifestly true. And it doesn't necessarily, I think there's a, there is also a difference, right? It doesn't necessarily manifest itself that you get what you pay for fact in the number received in the bank at the end of the transaction. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of different ways that you can justify value. Value is not necessarily pounds, shillings, and pence. It can be the deal went through the first time. Yeah. It was easy and I didn't nearly give myself a stroke having to deal <laughs> with my lawyer yeah. because my agent dealt with it. Yeah. My agent was on my side. They took great photos. Yeah. They made sure that the buyers that they presented to me were ready and able to buy my home. And people don't necessarily realise that this is all going on in the background, no. you know. And 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 I think you you can't ring up a client and say, "Well, this is what I've done today," and give them a list of things. But this is perhaps what people aren't aware of. They think we open a door and then we hand it over to this lister, and that's the end of it. But that the reason that that has come about is because that's what we've allowed the perception to become, mm. and sometimes that is true that is what's happening in a number of firms right because and that's i think the key difference between what is a broker and what is an estate agent i think, and I think that's that a very good i think that's become. a very good point and i think that's well made for sure and i think a and a broker understands that because they are receiving the commission and the com they're not receiving basic salaries or most aren't mm. uh, certainly they shouldn't be in my opinion right uh you know, the the work that they do and the energy and effort that they put in translates to money that puts food on the table and a roof over their heads. And whether they make a sale or not genuinely impacts their lives. Absolutely. And I think that's a huge selling <clears throat> point for a client. You know, you absolutely. are very, very invested. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not getting a salary whether I sell your house yeah. or not. Yeah. I've got to I've got to do that. But it doesn't take away the point <clears throat> that, you know, if you look just from a, a, you know, you zoom out and let's look across, you know, as a general rule across large corporate, big sort of branded agencies. This isn't a huge, I'm doing my best. Of course, there are exceptions to all of this. But there is, in, in the old days, you walked into an estate agent's office, certainly you walked into where we all worked at Foxton's, and you open the door and you could be blown out of the door by all the braying and shouting and <laughs> negotiating that was going on, right? And all banter, right? Fun, whatever. It was it, it was a, a lot of fun. Uh, you walk in there today and you, they're silent, these places. Everyone's tiddly-tap-tapping away on their, on their keyboards. Yeah. You know, firing off an email thinking that the job is done. It really isn't. And But because we've enabled that and then we've handed over control to the portals. I mean, we literally, it, it is beyond my comprehension why we do it. We're just as guilty of it as the others, but it's a it's a habit that we need to break mm. because people don't walk into estate agents. 
Right? No, they don't. They sit on an iPad in yeah. bed and yeah. send you emails at 11 o'clock at night saying, don't call me in the morning. Yeah. You know, or, I'm, I'm going to be busy. Me, don't call me at all. Don't call me at all. You know? I mean, what, what, sorry, I've yeah. got to do my job. Yeah. I'm sending this out. Okay, don't want yeah. to call you. You have to beg to have a conversation. Yeah. You know, they'll want to meet you at a property without you, without you being able to speak to them at all. Yeah. And, then and, and qualify this, them oh, in any way, the, shape. It's on the second floor. I didn't realize, yeah. well, if we'd managed to have a conversation, we could have talked yeah. about what you really need. And I would have told you, don't waste your time. So, I mean, that, 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 that raises a very interesting question, doesn't it? Mm. You, it raises a really interesting question. Should estate agents actually not base their entire models on how many viewings they do? Should they be measured on success on the basis of how many viewings they've done? Because surely the best estate agent, the one that you want to pay, is the one who does one viewing and sells it. Absolutely. But that's the better estate agent than the one that goes, yeah, we've sent 40 people through your door. Yeah. You know, 20 of which have had to rearrange after you've cleaned up the house for the umpteenth time. You know, but, you know, and it's a bit expensive. The feedback that we're getting is it's a bit expensive. We've got to drop the price. You know, that's the model, right? Bring it on, do loads of viewings, tell the client that it's too much money, get the house, get the price down until a point where the buyer comes up, vendor comes down, you get a deal. That's the That was the model. It's And it was a model that was based on a time where properties were much cheaper. Stamp duty was much cheaper. There was a frenzy every time a property came onto the market. You'd be queuing up to get in the door. There'd be 20 offers on it the next day. Yeah. And, and, and that's the only and, way it works. And you could qualify the buyer. Well, they had to call you. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Or, 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 but, 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 but even so, it was you were able to hire people who didn't need to do anything because people would turn up for a property and you'd probably get a load of offers. I mean, we, we all worked in those markets and the, I mean, it was, it was just yeah. money for world rope. Yeah. But the reality is that's not, that's not how things work anymore. It's far more expensive to buy a property and you need to understand and you need to have communication. Otherwise, everybody's wasting their time and there is absolutely no synergy. But I mean, you know, as a slightly as a message to people who may be buyers who might happen across uh, 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 across this uh, podcast, you know, estate agents really love dealing with nice people. Mm. You know, yeah. we're more likely to ring the person that is nice and yeah. friendly and enjoys a chat and wants to learn and wants to find the house. That's the person we're going to call first yeah. when the perfect property comes on. Yeah. We're not going to call the person that didn't turn up to the viewing or turned up to the viewing half an hour late with two coffees in hand, you know, which showed absolutely no respect to the to 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 to, to you or yeah. me, because you know, we are professionals who are doing the job. as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that absolutely. goes that goes both ways as well. Yeah. I was thinking earlier when you were when you mentioned it, I thought about the exact same thing. I was thinking about clients that we've had that we could term as our best clients, mm. you know, in terms of personality was right. Yeah. And it's always the clients that are happy to take your recommendations. They let you get on with it. They sort of address you respectfully. I'm thinking about yeah. the clients we had that said, you're the expert, just get on with it type of thing. Right. They pay good fees yeah. and you have a good relationship. And you know what? Everything is so smooth. Absolutely. There's, there's no issues. And then they and then they tell their friends. And then they tell and them, yeah. then they oh well you must use these guys because it was such yeah. a tremendous experience. Yeah. And, and and coming back to the you know to, to 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 come back to the point about fees, you know, anybody can justify the fee, low or high, right? You've got to have the confidence to be able to say no. 
Yeah. You know, you've got to have the confidence in your own abilities to say, look, I'm really sorry, I'm worth more money than that. Yeah. Mm. And I'm I'm not going to do it for and, you. Is, and isn't that the sort of person you want negotiating on your behalf no, rather than the person that says, oh, all right then, yeah. yes, I'll do it. You know, after, and I like, but also frames their fee as a question. You know, how much is your fee? One and a half percent? Mm, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's like, you know, True. it's two and a half percent. Yeah. And you're really lucky for, to have me, you know, doing that. I, I, I may need to cut this out, but there's a wonderful story <laughs> that um, I, I, so not many people know this about me, but actually I started off as a classical singer. I was a choral scholar at, um, at Canterbury Cathedral and then went on and did a lot of other bits and pieces, a bit of opera and stuff. But um, the uh, there was this wonderful singer who I won't mention their name, but very famous uh, soprano. And um, they always say, well, how, you know, why do you never get nervous? And she said, because when I look out to the audience or the congregation in front of me, I don't think, oh, my God, they're going to judge me. She sits there and thinks, you lucky, lucky people. <laughs> You've come here to hear me sing. <laughs> and that's how it works. Yeah. You know, how fortunate you are to have found us because we're going to make what is, I think, the second most stressful mm. experience of life after divorce, mm. you know, an absolute pleasure. Yeah. And that's the experience that we've got to try and build for people. And guess what? You don't need, need to pay us that much money. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> you know, compare you, us to your home country and you'll yeah. and and it's an absolute fucking bargain. Absolutely. So, yeah. you know. And you and you generally are able to offer a much, much better service. The whole experience for them is going to be you know, a, a world-class service, not something that you want to, you know, be pulling your hair out and thinking, God, I hate estate agents. But that's why I like, I love dealing with Americans for that very reason, because they, they have this sort of sales mentality built into their their, their DNA, right? They want- They like being sold they too. They like being mm -hmm. sold too. And as a salesperson, effectively, I mean, that's that's the that's the holy grail, right? Yeah. And you then provide them with a service that perhaps is far better than you thought you were going to do because they're allowing you, they're giving you the, the sort of opportunity to do it. Whilst here in the UK, and it's not just the UK, there are plenty of other countries, particularly on the continent, people don't like to be sold to. And I think that's also another big issue. They, they, they You can hear it on a pitch. So they don't ask any leading questions. It's just, just tell me and then get out. Yeah. And it's very difficult to win anything on that. How do you build up a rapport with anyone? Mm. I was going to go back to um, <clears throat> fees very quickly. And you've just come back from Los Angeles. And in terms of fees in America, we're sort of saying that in and out, buying and selling, they're around 6%. Do the agents there negotiate on their fees? Is that how they beat them, beat other competitors? Or how do they sort of get value? So the, there is, um, look, I'm not an expert expert on this, but I, I, there's, a, there's a bit of knowledge that I have. As I understand it, a lot of the, um, the, the there is a little bit of wiggle room on fees. So it might not be six, it might be five and a half, maybe it'll be five, but it's not three, yeah. right? It's not one and a half. Mm, or 0.75. Or 0.75. Split <laughs> <or> four ways. <laughs> 0.7 in yeah. Fulham for a five million pound house. Shocking. I mean, you know, yeah. shocking. Yeah. Anyway, um, what it is, is uh, uh, it, it's, they, it's about relationships over there, first and foremost. So they... In the way that somebody always says, oh, well, I already know a mortgage broker over yeah. here, right? Yeah. It's the, it's slightly that uh, over there. So, 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 so they win business on the back of relationships and, and success. Um, and, you know, and because they can make money off 
both sides, you get those who are super, super good at listing and you get those who represent the buyers mm. and deal with the inquiries that come in via the MLS or whatever it is. And, and, and then they learn their trade and they, you know, they progress up, pro progress up the scale. Um, but in terms, I think it's all about character and personality and who you know. Yeah. And, and who you know is like super important, right? But it is. In, yeah. in any, yeah. in any in sales life. role, right. but in life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, it's not a sort of old boys network version yeah. of who you know. It's like, this is the way the world works. Yeah. You know, yeah. People like people who they know and like That's and trust right. and, and I think build a rapport. We're all sitting here as part of the London broker and a lot of the business that we all get is through word of mouth, yeah, through absolutely. intros, you know, so we can totally understand that. And I think when you go and pitch for business, when you've been introduced to somebody from somebody that they know, um, you've got a much better chance of getting that instruction. And it's a completely different, it's a completely different conversation. Yeah. Uh, when you're exactly. sitting in the room by somebody's recommended you into them, it's yeah. a completely different conversation yeah. that, 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 that you had. Just to come back on that point though, and because it, it does raise an, an interesting point that maybe we'll get onto later, but it loops it in nicely. Uh, to an extent, the regulatory bodies within the different states also do their best to control fees. Mm -hmm. All right. So they are the, the narrative over there is to protect the value that these guys and girls are providing and how they make their money. But again, a lot of it is eat what you kill. It is brokerage. It is self-employed. Yeah. And therefore they deserve, you know, it's, a, you know, as with anything, the more risk you put in, the higher the return should be, right? It, if you're getting a 150 grand salary, yeah, you should probably be on maybe 10%, not even. Right? Mm -hmm. If you're getting nothing, yeah, you should take a massive whack yeah. of that commission. Yeah. And when I then when we then look at that over in the UK, and this comes, this is a critical point for me. Um when the valuer in the office is going out for a pitch and he's got or she's got, let's say, five minimum, yeah, negs in the office. Um, what does it say about the quality of your negs when you come back and go, hey, guys, new instruction, it's 1%. Yeah. yeah. Well, all these poor, you know, young people on cockle salaries, on really low salaries. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and then they come back in and oh, it's just a great, it's a great deal. Yeah, let's do a call out, guys, on this thing. And, you know, you're going to, you're going to get whatever it is, 10% of the 1% that yeah. I've got you. And that comes down That's to the terrible, model you were it? talking it's about awful. earlier, where you've got just a valuer who's targeted on how many instructions. Absolutely. In, rather than, you know, how, rather than who's got the highest fee. Although I suppose some people get targeted on, on, on your average fee within an office, but they're more targeted on, did you come back with that instruction or not? But the, also, so did you come back with, the, what are the targets? You, you will know better than me because it's been a long time since I've been an agency, but I remember it being, how many instructions have you won? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How many phone calls have you made? Yeah. How many viewings have you done? Yeah. Not how many properties have you sold? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the theory is throw enough mud at the wall and yeah. you'll and, and it all works. And it comes down to who you're hiring. You have to trust if you're going to hire somebody who's going to go out and do make one phone call, do one viewing and do one sale, that's because you've hired somebody who knows what they're doing and you can trust them to do the yeah. job as opposed to let's just hire people who we don't know if they're any good 
and we'll monitor them in that way. So we make sure that they are tied to the phone or you know, going and showing properties so that we can tell the client, well, we've done 40 viewings, we'll better bring the price down because you got the price wrong in the first place because yeah. you sent somebody out who didn't know what they were doing. Uh, absolutely right. And, and it, that leads on to another point, of course, nicely, is that when that person, what, how many times, how many times have we been in the situation where you do do one viewing? And then you sell it. And what does the vendor do? Yeah. <laughs> the vendor doesn't say, oh, my God, you guys are the best team. I could not have had a better result. You got me over asking price before it went to the market with a bar. I'm going to pay you less money. Yeah. What? Yeah. You haven't. What? Yeah. You're, you're, not, paying, you're not paying <laughs> me for the amount of work and phone calls I did to get your house sold. Yeah. You're paying me for the 20 years that I put in prior to that yeah. to achieve that result for you. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, That's what you wanted. Again, and again, again, we are guilty of all of this. We, it is our fault that we've enabled this to happen. Mm. The conversations and the dialogue is wrong. The dialogue should be. As I said, you're really lucky to have me here, yeah. right? This is why we're of value to you. Uh, and and we are the people that you should choose. Yeah. And look, the reason that you're picking me or whoever it is, for whatever reason, you know, everyone will have a different pitch. But the reason you're picking me is because of those reasons and my experience in offering you this service. Yeah. And your, the fee that you pay me You'll be glad to pay me by fee by the end of it. Right. Not resentful of it. Yeah. And that's where a lot of this comes from. They do, we, because we don't set up in the first instance, the conversation, not only today, but like historically, is based on the, the, the achievement of that money hitting their account and nothing else in the middle. Mm. You know, a Ford will get me from A to B just as well as a Ferrari, but. Ferrari aren't sitting there having to justify their fee yeah, yeah. to the buyer. Yeah. You're buying a Ferrari, mate. Lucky yeah. you. Yeah. Well done for having the money to, to buy a Ferrari. You, because you drive a Ferrari so you can experience it, whereas yeah. you're handing everything over to the brokers so you don't actually know what they're doing. Exactly. But you, I think historically people have, have put their faith in the brand. So they think, oh, well, it's X brand. They know what they're doing when it's actually the individual that you're dealing with, but they're paying the brand. And in theory, they think, well, I'm getting a much better deal because I'm paying this fantastic brand, but I'm only paying 1%. So for them as a consumer, they think they're getting a great deal when in actual fact, you're not really, you, you, you know, you're paying a low fee and you're still getting an individual who is prepared to work at that low fee. And I mean, you know, it's a pertinent conversation for today because the more the broker model uh, becomes prevalent in the UK, the more that conversation changes yeah. because there are a lot of people who are now seeing what we did. You know, I'm absolutely forthright about the fact that we were the first. Yeah. <laughs> We are the people that called ourselves brokers yeah. and successfully did that. Yeah. Um, and the more people that come out and do it, the more attractive it seems to others. But I do think it's important for other professionals looking at this or other business owners who are thinking I'm going to swap over to a sort of broker-style model is there is a, a real difference between a broker model 
where you have competent individuals doing a job on a basis of a self-employed, as it were, style, and a cheap way of running an estate agency. Mm. And uh, not everybody who comes from a renowned seat at a big firm transitions effectively into being a broker. Yeah. There is a lot of lifting. Yeah. Uh, that the brands do yeah right and some people are really really good at being a neg in a big brand yeah brilliant at it yeah and they don't always transition particularly well Mm. to being a self-employed self-starter who has to lift themselves up by their bootstraps every morning yeah come rain or shine and make that deal happen yeah it's a different it's a different breed yeah, absolutely. Especially if you've spent your whole career in a quite a regimented role yeah. um, to, to go to being a jack of all trades and having to do every single part of it. Of this process. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, which personally we love, don't we? I mean, yeah, absolutely. We, we love the diversity of it. And I mean, it, also- it, it can be very difficult change. And I think a lot of people that we know have found it quite difficult. Absolutely. Yeah. And as a self-employed broker, you're also self-employed. So you're running your own business yeah. at the same time, yeah. which is a whole, you know, a whole new thing for most people. Well, I mean, that brings us neatly to, to, to where we started in terms of why you started the London Broker. What, what do you think um, are the challenges if we... It, if we if we look at um, as you just mentioned, not everybody can come in and do it, and there's different ways of being a broker. Um, do you think that there's a, a future for um, estate agent, traditional estate agency, to disappear altogether? Listen, I don't think I don't think that's a re- realistic prospect. I think um, the there is always a place for all of these different models to coexist very happily alongside each other. I'm not going to do a sort of purple bricks moment and tell everybody that we're mm. going to occupy 100% of market space. We've just seen how that <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, yeah. That's not, not what the model's about. Mm. I created the London Broker. Uh, I'm, you guys know me well enough. I'm quite altruistic, right? I don't do it for the money, mm. particularly. Of course, we need to make some money. We need to try and be at least half profitable. But I do it because I want to enable really good people to offer really good service to their client base. Yeah. And I don't believe that the model that we currently had or had in 2016, and is you know we're seeing how that goes now, a state agency model really was working in the best interests of everybody in, 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 in the country. We had Purple Bricks and we had Strike and we've got Yopa and we've got Knight Frank and we've got Savills and CBRE and all that. There's a happy mix, you know, not there is no one size fits all answer mm, yeah. to any market. No, true. And so I, I, I think young people in particular have got to learn how to do the job somewhere. Mm. They're not going to learn that by being a broker. No, you don't. And, you can't. Uh, and, and one of the things that I'm quite passionate about, and people will probably know what I'm talking about when I say this, is I think that morally it is reprehensible to take young people and sell them a dream of being able to become a real estate broker because they've watched some Netflix show mm-hmm. or something like, like a that, selling right? Type of- and then hand them a book and charge them a monthly fee and then put them into somebody else's main asset mm. and tell the barefaced lie mm. that they're the best person to do that job. Now, yeah. everybody should have a go. Everybody should have a chance to make money. I have no problem with that. But I think 
you have to think about the consequences of your actions uh, for people that are engaging with you as me as an individual or you as a brand. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, that's why I think we have to be very careful about pushing the broker model as the model mm. for everybody because mm. it isn't for everybody. Mm. But the, the London broker is quite unique though because you have sort of a requirement to to be invited into the, the partnership, if you like, or the brokership, yeah, yeah. right? That you have to have X amount of years and you have to check out as to who you are, right? Because I thought that's actually a little bit of a risk to the broker model is having all these 18, 19 year olds. We have met a few of these who have never sold a property. I don't think they've been conducted a view who now think they're going to go out and be a big a real estate star. Instagram exactly. influencer and, and all, 100%. And all these shows that we've seen, you know, from Million Dollar Listing, which started all off on Bravo, et cetera, you know, and, and that's been pushed on social media. This is what people think they can do. And you're absolutely right. I mean, Matt and I have been in business for 20 years, as have you, as have most of us plus, right? And it's difficult and it's challenging. And an 18-year-old kid, is most likely unable to do that, right? And and you you you're absolutely. There are some very capable eighteen year old children, right? Yeah, they but are. But you need to go and learn a trade. You have to understand something before you genuinely go and sit in front of somebody and say, "Listen, give me your house. I'm going to get you the best possible price." Yeah. But it comes from this belief that selling a house consists of taking photographs, doing a floor plan, doing an EPC, popping it online. Mm. So know, what, that, how would you um, bring that round to your argument against a qualification for an, for an agent? So, well, I suppose that's the starting point, isn't it? The starting point is um, there is no barrier to entry, mm. which is not true. There is a barrier to entry because, oh, yeah, okay, anybody can set up as an estate. That's not true, actually. There's so much that you have to do before you can set up as an estate agent. But mm. let's skip over those little bits first and go to this sort of narrative that anybody can become an estate agent. Uh, yeah, sure. You can fill out the forms, register the business, uh, get the uh, money laundering supervision and all that sort of stuff. But it doesn't mean you're going to be successful. Mm. So, you know... That's half the battle, right? Yeah. So, hello, I'm a, I've arrived. Now what? You know, okay. Now you've but, now but, you've got. But, to, ha no. but has the lack of having to have any kind of qualification contributed to the fact that anyone can be an estate agent? There's ridiculous amounts of competition, hence the really low fees. Yeah, but okay. So, so the argument, so the argument that you're making is that qualifications would reduce the number of people in a estate agency and would increase fees. That's the argument. That, that is being made. So qualifications will, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know if either of you have done the qualification, the sort of Arla or, or, or Arla, yes, sort of qualification. Not, not Rick's. But, but, but a lot of this stuff consists of multiple choice questions. I looked at one the other day. I think one of the questions was, what should you do in hot weather with a fire extinguisher? I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> but that doesn't make me a better estate agent. All right. So Number one. So, what is being qualified? Mm. You know, what being about a some well, understanding on. of the conveyancing process. But you learn that by doing the job. Well, uh, well that's how so, we all learned it. Absolutely. You no amount. But we're going of, back to that. No, but, but no role. amount of quality. No amount of learning at school mm. or learning at university. You can't go to university and become a lawyer. Mm. You then yeah. stop being at school and doing whatever the qualification is to become a lawyer and then you become a then you become a trainee lawyer mm, yeah, right yeah. for however long it's like four years or something you know 
quite serious. Same with being a doctor. You know, you do the bit on paper and then you go, it's not different to doing a driving test. You know, you do the practical, you do the theory. And then I remember my driving instructor said, when you've passed your test, it's basically what they're the government is saying to you is you're now able to learn on your own mm. how to be a good driver. Yeah. And that's the, the the critical bit. And what I don't want to see happening, and there are a number of reasons that I'm against it, but what I don't want to see happening is that there's nothing wrong with not being good at exams. All right? <laughs> you can that. be shit <laughs> at doing exams mm. and still be a perfectly good, excellent, in fact, estate agent. Yeah. You do not need somebody who, frankly, a lot of these uh, qualifications have been made up by people who sort of, you know, became the referees, right? You know, really good at it. And then I decided to make a career change because they weren't being selected for the squad. And so they've gone off and made these qualifications to take money off people. Mm. And it won't it won't reduce co competition and it won't reduce bad behavior and it won't increase fees because the competition will still pass the exams right it, it, there are 50,000 people involved mm. in real estate in property in this mm. in, in this country it will still be 50,000 people after the exam it's just all those 50,000 people will have paid one maybe two companies 500 quid to do it to do an exam. Oh, let me just let me yeah. finish. these are this is important. So they'll have done that. Then they'll all then those five fifty thousand people will then all have to do compulsory uh, con continuous professional development mm. every year mm. for whatever cost that is. Then all of the firms, what is there, twenty five thousand firms or something like that, they'll all then pay an annual license to one or two firms mm. to do it, and the net result will be absolutely fuck all change. Mm. <laughs> The fees will still come down because there'll still be the same number of people in, in there. And if you can't pitch at the moment that the reason you should use me is because I'm the better agent, yeah. you're not going to be able to get a higher fee when everybody's got the same qualification. Agreed. But would there be, um, if, if, if there was a qualification, a minimum standard that you had to meet to act as an estate agent yeah. within... England, just say right. for example, would the government then have more of a chance of saying we need a minimum fee? <laughs> no, you think there's no chance of that. But then you were saying you're how, talking about a government. You're but, talking about a government that has, for the last thirteen years, yeah. actively created a hostile environment for landlords. Yeah, they hate us. Uh, they hate us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the the party of the property owning class. Yeah, have destroyed the property industry. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've certainly made a bloody well, mess of it. They're doing yeah. everything they can do to ruin this country. Yeah, but oh, we're going to Brexit. We're going to open up to the world. Oh, and by the way, if you're a foreigner, here's a three percent stamp duty additional charge. Yeah, make. yeah. Or two percent, isn't it? It's two percent at the moment. It's two percent at the moment. And they're going to make it three. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. They're not interested in doing anything like but that. But if you were talking about the states earlier, or some states within America. Regul the regulators. The regulators. Exactly. Is that not the way to get it regulated here? Otherwise, well, or do you just think there's no chance of it happening? I think that the motivations of the regulators aren't there. I have a little plan around this. Yeah. I do. I'm not going to go into it now. Okay. But I do believe that that is certainly something that should be looked at. But that does not involve taking... It doesn't require a qualification to get there. It requires you to act professionally. Mm. 
And those, and to act, you can't teach someone to act professionally. No. They can learn. Yeah. But, and you know, you, with, you, you, with, you, there's you, a certain type of person, you know, who becomes an estate agent, mm -hmm. I think. And generally, certainly within our careers, most people are polite, well brought up, and nice people, I think. I've, I've very rarely met any terrible, horrendous estate agents where people have this awful reputation. But I have come across a few isolated people in my own property a, a few with stuff that I can afford to buy yeah. where they've been absolutely horrendous. But in our career of what we sell, yeah. people have been of a very high but, but I think, I, I, but, but, I think, but we also work in, in we work in prime central London yeah, yeah. Uh, in the yeah. best market, right. uh, probably in the world next to sort of, you know, likes of New York and Los Angeles. So the quality of estate agents here are exceptionally high, right? But I, I agree so. with you because when I, I've bought and sold well, three or four times and as soon as they know I'm an estate agent, it goes from not calling me, I don't need to be called sir, but there has to be some sort of respect on the client to mate. Mm. And they don't bother uh, uh, engaging me. I mean, the last purchase, I did the conveyancing on a Friday. Yeah, they, they sent, they, yeah, they sent that to the to the seller and said, "Here's the weekly update." But I wrote it as the buyer. You did the whole thing. I did the whole thing. I said, "That is just mental." How can you yeah. even take a fee for this? Yeah. But uh, you see, I, I think the other, I think the other point, uh, the, the point that that sort of raises is the fact that there is this, there is this disparity, right, in in terms of service and quality delivery, right? Yeah. Um, and 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 again, we have been quite privileged in the fact that we've been able to experience the the the, the place that we have, because I mean, you know, the, the the furthest south I've ever had to work is like Streatham, right? Yeah. Um, we're, we're not we're not selling in under where I live, and selling Kent and and all. Sort of, but you know, we do a bit of searching and, and stuff like that. But I think it that has come about that their quality of delivery, that quality of conversation, all the rest of it, it obviously works for them in their area that it does work. Because okay, you and I might not want to be called mate, but there are plenty of people who do exist where they are who are perfectly happy with being yeah, called mate and, and and all the rest of that sort of thing. If they're also the other nice thing about uh, our industry is it is actually self-regulating. If you're shit, mm. you don't survive very long. Mm. So you get rid of the bad eggs. The what the where the worry comes, and, I, and 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 this is and it's not really a it's not really an argument for for regulation because we are already regulated. I know people like to say, oh, you're not regulated. We are regulated. There are reams of laws that apply to what we do. Absolutely. And if we don't do them, we can be fined and can be yeah. shut down yeah. and all the rest of it. Yeah. The issue is the enforcement of those laws. Mm. And uh, and this is there is no blame here, uh, I would say. Um, it, it, trading standards have a tremendously difficult job in policing these very complicated laws that apply to 25,000 businesses, 50,000 people around the country, when trading standards have other priorities. And the local authorities who then run those trading standards uh, teams need the money from the fines that they generate, not to improve and grow the trading standards teams, mm -hmm. but actually to run their borough or their, or their local authority. Yeah. So Actually, if you want to get rid of bad eggs, if you want to improve things, enforce the current rules, mm. enforce the law. It's already written down. Mm. And if you, if we were able to do that, again, there's a little thing that's percolating and has been for a while around this, that would be a better way to improve standards. Because if you can shut, if you, you only need to give one or two examples of, of shutting down bad people, yeah. bad actors. Yeah. Uh, in the industry, that way you will lift 
the standards and you'll give the confidence to other agents to do better yeah because the whole thing is lifting but it won't affect fees i think i'm that's the sad I, thing I, i'm though. not arguing for qualification by any means um being a person who absolutely hates any kind of exams i mean i was never any good at exams but yeah. um I, and i'm all for learning on the job but i i wonder if it just wouldn't add a bit of respect to the industry perhaps or maybe um maybe an estate agent would appear a slightly better quality of person in the eyes of the client perhaps but I, I, if there I, was but some kind of understanding of some training that they had to do before from a multiple choice question uh, i mean I don't, I don't know multiple choice but i mean some sort of understanding of how it works before you're let loose but how i, I mean yeah look i mean we, we could go around and around in circles it, 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 on on this point I, I just feel that the reason that as people don't respect estate agents has got nothing to do whether they've got a qualification or not is because we don't respect ourselves mm. we don't we don't sit there That's and justify we just that, the, the whole part of this the first part of this yeah. podcast is about how you know we don't we don't respect ourselves to say no when somebody says, well, I'll pay you 0.7%. Mm. No. Too scared to lose. The, you know, it's too, the, yes, there mm. is a lot of competition and all the rest of it, but that's not the reason for the low fees. Mm. If you can't make a profit out of the industry, then stop doing it, mm. you know, and, and, and leave it to leave it to someone else. Yeah. But there are a lot of people who will just come and throw money at it or they're cash flowing the survival of their business or whatever it is. And that's fine. You know, people must do what they want to do. Yeah. But really, I think it's up to people, it's up to us, right? If we want to make a better industry, mm. we have to make a better industry. Yeah. We don't need a bill no. and a license I guess. and, and we, all of that we, sort we of stuff. To we need explain. to lead, and you need yeah. to lead from the front, right? Mm. That's, what, that's what I like to hope that we as the London broker, I and we as the London broker are doing. We are trying to lead this you know, broker revolution in yeah. commas. And and fees are very important when it comes to brokers and collaboration. Yeah. So what people I think don't understand or what sellers don't understand is how often a fee can be split. And that comes down to collaborating with other brokers. Absolutely. And as there are more and more brokers, there will be more collaboration. Yeah. And it's essential that there's enough fees to go around. Um, what, what are your thoughts on collaboration? I think it is an essential part of our industry moving forward. And the reason that it's going to be so, so critical is because with the evolution of the broker model, you have a whole load of people, good and bad, <laughs> uh, who are financially autonomous. Yeah. So for the first time, they don't need to call up the chain of command and say, I want to take this buyer who's rung me and I've built a good rapport with, I want to go and show them somebody else's stock. Yeah. Oh, yeah, great. And how much are they going to pay you? Well, I'm going to get a split of 0.2 of a percent. Why are you doing that? Go and sell the thing that we're getting 2% on. Yeah. If you're lucky. Yeah. You know, 1%, 0.7. <laughs> so, you know, that is... So now when you remove that and the broker is taking a lion's share of the fee, that broker, who tends to be a little bit longer in the tooth, they've done it, they can they appreciate a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? Oh, I've got interest on. You know, mm. that, that we you know when interest is bullshit or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, you don't have to justify it to your line manager, right? It's 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 easy. Um those people will be able to say, I would rather have five grand today 
than 10 grand tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And and think about that from what we've just been talking about, the mm. respect that agents could have, mm. right? I've split my fee to get your house sold. I'm still going to be involved. I'm getting paid half of what I was getting paid before. Yeah. You know, but brilliant. You've got a win. Yeah. Now, the theory against that is, well, because everything's listed on Rightmove, those people should be able to find that house themselves, which is a perfectly legitimate point. Yeah. But let's think of the experience, the customer experience on the other side. That buyer has then got a rapport with this person. He's become a client of theirs in one way, shape or another. And they've got an excellent experience where they're going, well, I didn't have to call I mean, you know, the fracturing of the market now. I mean, you know, there used to be sort of like five estate agents. Now there are 505 estate agents in South Kensington alone. Um, I'm making that number up. But, um, you know, probably true, though, actually. Um, But they are not having to make those phone calls. So they are taken through the door of a property that's absolutely right for them because somebody's listened to what they had to say. They've found it for them. They've taken time out of their day to find it for them. And they're going to get the deal done quicker. And then, and what and, a wonderful experience to have, right? Absolutely. And it comes down to also that brokers will then be able to negotiate with each other, which exactly. means it's always going to be a smoother transaction. And, uh, yeah, I was going to say, it's funny because uh, we spoke to someone recently who didn't inquire through the traditional portals, you know, right movement super, right? And, and we asked the question, you know, how come you didn't see this property on, you know, it's all in big portals. And they said, I'm not on those portals. It's just, it's a headache, you know, and, and what, this particular lady meant was that she inquires on right move, gets one agent registering her and then gets called by the entire company, you know, to buy and buy this, sell this, whatever the case is. And it's too much. And she just sort of gives up. Right. And with brokers collaborating, it should fall into a natural sort of um, sequence where buyers are represented by a broker. The sellers obviously, ha- you know, are represented by a broker, and then it's up to them to find a transaction. Right. And the right? brokers can go and look through the exactly, and then they don't mind getting the phone call. There you go. So the collaboration has to be key, yeah. and then you That's know, things like picks up their phone because yeah. you know you 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 go onto any site to buy something where you're stupid enough to put in your phone number, yeah. and you'll be called, you know, every five minutes for the rest of your life. And. Uh, uh, because our systems are so dreadful, because yeah. nobody puts any data on the systems, and you know the systems also don't work on the basis of you know uh, uh, they don't base work on the basis of humanity, right? It's not like uh, what do you put into a system? Postcode, price, yeah. number of bedrooms, right? Outside space, parking, but you know that's it. Uh, whereas in reality, that right, the decision making process is a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah, here I've got a two bedroom flat. In SW6, that's perfect for you. Okay, great. Because it's a two-bedroom flat in SW6. Right? You know, there are loads, so many emotional triggers and, and you little, know little buying signs that we will pick up from, from meeting someone. Ah, uh, and, but you can't put that into a system. But the systems, because they were built in an era of throwing shit at the wall. Yeah. That's when those systems were built. Absolutely. And so what we do on email is throw shit at the wall. Yeah. In the hope that we'll go, oh, actually, that is, that's ideal for me. Yeah, you can you imagine from a buyer's perspective People then? Because do. they, um, I was going to say, you know, every single buyer that you end up dealing with, they end up almost buying something completely different to what oh, they yeah. first inquired Absolutely. about, right? I mean, 100%. you see it all the time, all right? The time. You can imagine if you're a buyer, then in terms of your experience, and you have to explain that story, go through that sort of that sequence, 
with three or four different Absolutely. agents. I mean, I, I, I top myself personally. But, 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 you know, it's not just three or four different agents. That is the real problem. There are loads of us and we're all picking up lots of different stock from lots of different places. Sometimes it's on market, sometimes it's off market, mm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it is so difficult for any one buyer to have a, you know, single point of contact. But that's why the broker model will continue to grow and will continue to succeed because that individual broker is not now ringing through a list of 500 buyers that they've right. got on a on a on a screen or in the old days on a rolodex they have they're looking after sort of five people yeah and those five people should convert they might not convert tomorrow but they will convert in time yeah and they know everything and, about those and five they people. know everything about right. those five people and, yeah. and what a completely different experience and that's and, and and that's why you pay the fee yeah exactly that's why you and pay the fee and that's the real difference between yeah. a broker and an agent and it is that is really what you're paying for and that the, the the quality of the understanding yeah. of what you want and the way that is then implemented absolutely and that all of the groundwork and the legwork that's taken out they care. They care. Well, in America, everyone's got. Well, they, they have a they have a lawyer on speed dial. Yeah, they yeah. all have their accountants because everyone has to file their own taxes, right? And they also have a broker. Yeah, right. I mean, now the Americans ask them to say, "Well, let me talk to my broker." Yeah. Insurance broker? No, no, property guy, right? Yeah, so yeah. when we start hearing those terms battered around London, yeah. we're, we're making headway, right? Well, and we and we are. You know, the, 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 it's lovely to see the term broker, which. Mm-hmm. We brought in. Become using as uh, becoming common vernacular, right? That yeah, is a definitely. tremendous step forward. Yeah, uh, and I'm thrilled by that. Yeah, um, even if that's the only thing that I leave uh, behind. But the the just coming back to one of your points that you were talking about um, getting this collaboration, and and I think that one of the other challenges that we have around collaboration in in the broker world is trust. Yeah. between brokers in our business as you said a while ago you've got to have a certain amount of experience and you've got to pass a sniff test mm-hmm. right uh and that's how we've done it so within the 42 brokers that we have uh that is what happens and therefore that trust is sort of imbued within the body of the of the business right and we get together on monday which we get together on the last tuesday of the month and we we engender that trust and help build that trust even with those who are outside of the original group as it were and, and bring them in and, and that's that's a real bit of value how do we do that outside of the london broker or outside of the individual broker models that already exist it's actually quite difficult because there are lots of different people who we don't know or we do know who are dotted around in in other places and there what's really interesting about um the regulatory framework that we have in the uk is that everything is based on our engagement with the public and with the client there's absolutely nothing that determines how we engage with each other mm-hmm. in america it forms a significant part of the regulatory framework of every single state's or the national association of realtors um, terms and that's something that i intend to bring over here okay i think we need to have a set of rules you know that govern yeah. how we all work with each other yeah because if we can do that that will and, and a regulatory framework just within the profession yeah right that will encourage and enable all of us independent brokers and even the small independent agents and even the big agents maybe who knows mm-hmm. to trust each other yeah. to say right if i'm you know engaging with you on this property i it, it, you know it is a understood that 
I need to send you an email or a message or whatever to say, this is what I expect. And you will be open to doing that. Yeah. And I will, you know, it's really interesting. In America, you're not allowed to slag off other brokers. You're not allowed to deliberately target, certainly these are the rules of the NAR anyway, you're not allowed to deliberately target another broker's Do people um, stick list. to this? As far as I understand it, I mean, it is it a pretty so accepted... over there in the States. But is it cutthroat? I wonder if it's as cutthroat in reality <laughs> as it is made out for drama. Well, I mean, I'm only basing uh, this on uh, drama. Uh, I think, <laughs> yeah. when, but, but when, why do you Having need to stick... Why, if you can get a fee regardless yeah. from selling another broker's stock... Yeah. Why do you need to pilfer it? Yeah, I don't know, because you get more of the fee, I guess. Well, no, you don't. The, you, and you get to say you've sold it. Although. You, you, I, mean, I don't know. I, I, but I think, you know, you're not allowed to slag them off. You're not allowed to try and target their stock. You can generally target, mm. but you can't but go, hello, Mr. Jones. You know. I mean, when, I, when I first started an agency, it was unheard of to go and tout somebody else's stock. I mean, And, and you'd, you'd then get a call from the director of that other company saying, how dare you have done this? Yeah. Whereas now it just seems completely commonplace. <laughs> but, I mean, you get five letters through the door because you're instructed with another agent. I, I, lo- I genuinely love how this is. And it's happened since the pandemic, right? Yeah. It's actually really funny because, as you say, prior to, you know, probably five, six years ago, yes, of course, there was there were letters that were going out, of course, particularly from the big firms. Mm. Right? But now there are websites and very successful websites and, you know, and, and sort of tools that we're all given that um, basically make it really easy for you to send out touting letters to everybody. Yeah. So poor vendor, I mean, talk about reputation of estate agents, right? right. This is terrible. Yeah. You go, hello, you know, it's the same envelope drops through the door on the same day of the week, yeah. you know, five of them at a time, yeah. you know, disappointed yes, buyer in your area. Yeah. You've been on the market for 12 weeks, you know, all this sort of stuff. And it's all, it look, it all is fair in love and war, right? But, um, just have a little bit of respect for yourself. And, and also, and I think, I mean, how pointless in, in terms of, you know, the costs involved here, right? We're yeah. doing a touting campaign yeah. are huge. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we can't justify cost art, but also not just the cost, how fucking pointless, right? If you have a buyer on for, for a property that is not your instruction, then there are so many other ways. If you genuinely have a buyer, right, to get that buyer through the door, right? You could speak to the agent. You might find out who the owner is. Do you have a network? Whatever the case is. But sending a letter saying you've been on the market for 12 weeks, we can definitely sell it. I mean, it's I mean, for, it's lies for starters. And also, to what degree does someone pick that letter up and go, but then they do, right? And yeah, no, but they, they, but they call you. Call, yeah, because yeah, then they do. They, they call, I've just got this. I've just got a yeah. wonderful letter. That's from, right. You know, yeah. Smithering and Co., yeah. you know, estate agents <laughs> based right. in Torquay, yeah. who are telling me that they've got a corporate <laughs> client who's disappointed and, you know, would love to buy yeah. my house. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Please okay, I'll call them, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> sort of, yeah. like, there was a stage where I wanted to do sort of, you know, provide brokers with a sort of printout bingo where, you know, the clients could pop it on the fridge and then every time they get one, you know, when they get a bingo, they get a bottle of champagne that's a great idea yeah. um but you know this stuff is all about communication you have to explain that to the vendor now yeah so you know just so you know on the second fourth sixth eighth tw- you know tenth twelfth week uh and probably some weeks in the middle you're going to get a whole load of, of letters and they're pretty much going to say the same thing absolutely you know and i think more and more people are becoming more and more savvy to them um and you you just think you know 
come on, guys, just stop wasting paper. But it really does. It does show how you have to keep innovating, right? Mm. It, it shows that you know once well, it worked done, when they first came when out. they first came out it worked. But it, you know <laughs> if you if you don't keep adapting and changing the way that you do this stuff and everybody and sorry to say it, but it's a that is a really good example of when everybody achieves the same position, mm. it becomes worthless, mm. which dare I say it comes back to the regulatory bit. That yeah, I definitely see your if they're, there. If they're all regulated, what's the difference? I guess I'm just desperate to lift the reputation of a state agent because <laughs> when I go to <laughs> Matt, a dinner party, you I are lifting the reputation of a <laughs> state broker, agent. You're a broker, you're a broker, Matt. Just <laughs> by being here. You're, you're uh, a co-founder and director. You. There you go. There My mum writes in and asks me to take <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that's Rupert, thank you very much. Um, yeah, thanks, what we're, we're, we're going to be asking um, all our guests, and you are our first guest, so um, definitely uh, we'll, be, we'll be experimenting on a bit here, but we'd like to ask um, if you had a million pounds to spend in life, London and a million pounds to spend not in London, what would you do with it? Keeping it within the, the property business, if you could. Uh, when you say a million, sorry, just to clarify this question. Yeah. Uh, when you say uh, a million pounds to buy a house, are you asking me to buy sure. a house? What, what, or would you, you do, or... what would you do if, if you had a million pounds in London to do with property? What do you think would be, you know, it doesn't, it, it, let, let's assume you've already got somewhere to live yourself. Within, as in a, a, to, to do a proper, to buy a property, or I can invest it in a business. You could invest it in a business. I or is that, or is that to or, do with property? No, you really want me to say where I Something want to buy with property. Don't you? That's what you really are. <laughs> I just, I just if you had a million quid in London or a million quid outside London, where would you put it? That's I think what this question saying. is backfiring a bit, but yeah, it's yeah, good yeah, that yeah, we've yeah, got yeah, Rupert here to. Yeah, uh, yeah. Listen, I think it's God. I mean, a million quid—it's so ridiculous, right? It's such a small amount of money. I know. Right. Right. I remember when I, I remember in two thousand and seven when I saw my first million-pound flat in with Douglas and Gordon. Uh, in South Kensington, I God, shit, this is really depressing. You know, in 2007, that was depressing. Imagine it now. So it's not South Ken. Um, I think that I would probably look to buy a uh, a good family house in one of the outer boroughs with a good transport network to it. As you know, Matt, I used to live in Streatham, mm -hmm. you know, 20 minutes into Victoria, um, those sorts of places. And you can get some... Can you buy a family house for a million pounds? Yeah, you can. You you, you can. Uh, you know, maybe just in... It, yeah. There are some very grand ones around there. Mm. But you can buy good... You can buy good four-bedroom houses in and around that part of, of okay. South West London. And that's where a lot of friends are and, and still so are. You, so I quite like So that. we're assuming that you've already got a place to live yourself. Why would you buy a family house? Because I think that they're good. I, I I think they're good things to own. You know, oh, you say you buy. I've got a thing of my own. I don't actually. I mean, I do, but but I'm saying for this scenario, for this scenario, you, you have your own place to live. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I mean, if you're asking me, would I do an investment? Would I become a landlord? No. Right. You wouldn't would buy I, a one bedroom in Bassett Power Station. Absolutely not. No, yeah, no, 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 yeah. no, no. Because no, it would cost nine hundred. No, but it's also. But also, nobody wants to be a landlord anymore. No, no, it is. Does. As I said earlier, it's a yeah. hostile environment. Why would you do it? I oh, know it's horrendous. You know they don't want you. They, the government don't want private landlords. Yeah. So let's stop pretending that they do. Yeah. And if this government don't want them, I can tell you the next government are definitely not going to want them. <laughs> Which was the very <laughs> so topic on our last on our last podcast. Anyway, so anyway, not go down that. So yeah. that one. So that's <laughs> okay. That one. Then the next one. Yeah. Outside of London, <laughs> I so does it have to be in England? Um. Okay. No. Let's. I let's would go and buy some absolute monster yeah 
you know, in a in a foreign country like you know a, a chateau in France, Lovely. or a beautiful chalet in Italy, mm. or a villa in the Tuscan Hills, yeah. or something Even like that. Even though you can Some... only be there for 180 days in a year. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, how often? How yeah. how long are you holiday? You've got to, <laughs> you've got to change the property market in this country, Matthew. You're not allowed to be out of the country for more than 100. <laughs> Matt days. is so, you're so sour about um, the Brexit, so and, and also so sour about holding a British passport for the purposes of being able to live outside of the UK, right? Yeah. That is but, a big, um, big issue of contention. Yeah, so I would do, yeah. I would okay, buy something there. really yeah. lovely uh, uh, abroad. Okay, and maybe it wouldn't good. be in Europe. Yeah. But, you know, maybe it would be somewhere. Yeah, very sensible. Yeah. Okay. And then um, and one more question. Have you ever kissed an estate agent? And if so, where was it? And what were the circumstances? I was married to an estate agent at one point. Ah, so, okay. yes, there was kissing involved. <laughs> Multiple times. Uh, uh, and uh, what was the other part of that question? Well, where and where? what were the circumstances? Uh, but if you were married, I think that, 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 that summed that one up. I think I might have kissed more than one estate agent in my life, <laughs> including you two. <laughs> that is true. That very is true. And um, very good way to end yeah. this podcast, right? Rupert, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, it's thank you. An and and um, for the listeners as well, this is actually being recorded by video. So for those that want to see this video, um, along the podcast itself uh, head over to YouTube and um, the handle is at Smith and Ericsson until next time very good thanks very much and that brings us to the end of today's episode we hope you found our discussion with Rupert Collingwood insightful and thought provoking and that you've gained some valuable new perspectives on the world of property Remember, if you have any questions or comments about today's episode, or if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Properties.